Welcome to Pushing Up Lilies. I'm your host, Julie Matson. Pushing Up Lilies is a weekly true crime podcast with spine-tingling, unusual, and terrifyingly true stories from my perspective as a forensic death investigator and a sexual assault nurse examiner. Do I have some stories for you? Are you ready? Looking back at my career in nursing, it is so hard to believe that I've been an RN for 27 years. I've had the pleasure of working with so many amazing men and women in the nursing field. They've all taught me a lot and just made my experience amazing. Everyone that I've been around has all had the same mission as mine, which is to take care of people. We would work late if we had to, just to make sure that our patients were well cared for. I couldn't remember years ago when I worked at a local hospital in Dallas. We, well, I worked on a med surge unit, which is basically medical patients who had different medical problems, as well as surgery patients, both before and after surgery. So there was a lot of different levels of care provided. And I had one patient who had been paralyzed in a rodeo accident. He was paralyzed from the neck down. We would try to just maintain consistency by having the same nurse take care of the same patient. So if I worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I would have the same patients if they were still in the hospital on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And that was just for continuity of care. They would know me and be familiar with me. And the same with me. I would know what their medications were. I would automatically know their medical history and even become familiar with some of their family members. And I remember one specific patient, like I said, who had been paralyzed in a rodeo accident, had been that way for years, and I had taken care of him. I worked Friday, Saturday, Sunday during the day. I had worked Friday, took care of him. And we had a lot of techs at that time who would feed our patients and help to bathe them. Well, this particular Saturday, which was the day, the second day that I had cared for him in a row, I came on shift. His dinner tray was still sitting on his bedside table untouched. And when I asked him if he wasn't hungry and if he wanted something and why he hadn't eaten, he said that the night before, no one had ever come in to feed him. So that broke my heart. So I was supposed to be his nurse on Saturday and Sunday, and I stayed late after my 7A, 7P shift and fed him his dinner because I knew that there may not be enough texts. and. He was a quiet person and wasn't one to complain. I just didn't want to take the chance that he wouldn't be fed. And those are the types of people that I worked with as well, all very caring. Our goal was not to get home on time, but to make sure that our patients were completely taken care of before we left. I'm just proud of those times and so proud of all the people that I worked with. And so it's hard for me to believe that anyone in the nursing field would want to do anything but care for their patients. That's what we learned in nursing school. Uh, We were responsible for these people's lives during our shift. 
any decision that we made could cause them to die. Little things that you take for granted, like just giving medications, can easily be done wrong. I know that there are a lot of people over time who have inadvertently given wrong medications to patients, but you could never really be in a hurry because the chances of something going wrong would be devastating. So I had found that there have been several nurses all across the U.S. who have been negligent when caring for their patients. And I'm not just talking about a medication error that caused an adverse effect or giving the wrong medication to the wrong person. Those things a lot of times are accidental and can happen in a hospital setting or a clinic setting or even a prescription being written incorrectly and someone being sent home with the wrong medication. But there are a lot of nurses who purposefully do this. And I can't even imagine a lot of nurses who are serial killers and have taken the lives of even one person on purpose or 60, 70 people on purpose. A lot of nurses who have done this tend to make excuses and claim that they're taking someone's life to end their suffering. Or on the opposite end of the spectrum, they want to get rid of difficult patients. They might be tired of taking care of someone and they don't want to do it anymore. And they figure that the best way to do it is just to over-medicate them or give them a medication that can cause them to go into cardiac arrest. Some also might have hero syndrome which is where they may give them a medication or too much of a medication to cause them to go into cardiac arrest so that they impress others by trying to revive them, being the hero. A lot of nurses may do this for attention. A lot of nurses may do this because they are depressed. They may want to do this to relieve frustration due to a heavy workload. You also have heard stories of doctors who might kill patients just because of experimental curiosity, wonder what this would do, or they may have a godlike power over patients and it makes them feel special or important. These are reasons in looking into it why some nurses and doctors have chosen to kill their patients. Again, I can't ever imagine wanting to do that. I always took special care in going over the medications before my shift and making sure that I'm giving the right thing and maybe checking too many times. One big thing that they teach you in nursing school is that if someone draws up a medication in a syringe, you don't ever give it for them because you really, even though you know the the nurse that may have drawn it up and said, hey, can you go give this to my patient in room three? They may have accidentally drawn up the wrong medication. They most likely would not just draw up something and give it to you and say, hey, go kill my patient with this. But you just don't know. I mean, accidents happen. And that was one thing that they taught us in nursing school is to never, ever give a drug that had been drawn up in a syringe by another nurse. You should always, I guess, be concerned when a caregiver or provider switches jobs frequently. If you have a nurse that's worked at several, several different hospitals, 
and hasn't been able to stay in one place for very long, that's concerning because obviously they haven't been happy where they were before or they've gotten into trouble and have had to hide from the issues that they've caused. Also, and this is not to say that every nurse who prefers a night shift is a murderer or should cause concern, but a lot of nurses or people who think that they can get away with murder in a hospital setting might prefer the night shift when no one that works administration is there. It's quiet. Family members are usually not present. Maybe a little bit easier for them to get away with something. Association with incidents at multiple hospitals can cause issues because those jurisdictions don't communicate. So if it's someone who's had problems at several different hospitals, again, and have bounced around from facility to facility, those facilities may not communicate what the problems have been. And so they get completely overlooked. And the person may go to work at a hospital with a completely clean slate, even though they've caused problems at multiple different institutions. If a nurse or a doctor tries to predict when someone will die, That's a little suspicious because you really don't know. I mean, healthy people can die of cardiac arrest suddenly and be dead the next day. It can happen very suddenly. You could have a lethal arrhythmia and be gone when you are otherwise healthy or had a great day and were mobile and didn't have any problems or complaints. Also, if a nurse would prevent coworkers from checking on their patients trying to prevent someone from catching an issue that they caused. So there was a nurse named Kimberly Sines, and she was actually an LPN, which is a licensed professional nurse. And that is just like an LVN and a little bit less training than RNs, but they are able to perform patient care. In 2008, During a 30-day time period, there were 30 calls made to 911 from this DaVita dialysis clinic in Lufkin where she worked. So that was way above the norm. Typically, there aren't a lot of issues with dialysis patients while they're on dialysis, but it seemed very unusual that when Kimberly would care for a patient, her patients would crash and have issues and require emergency care. Coworkers had seen her draw the bleach solution up into syringes and actually inject it. So she said that when she did that, she was actually cleaning the machine. Now, after Thelma Metcalf and Clara Strange died of cardiac arrest on April 1st, and this is of 2008, Health inspectors and clinical coordinators, as well as the fire department, began looking a little bit closer to what was going on during their treatments. These buckets and syringes that Kimberly used were tested and tested positive for bleach. So the clinic was shut down for a couple of weeks and she was fired and her license was suspended But then she violated her bail by applying as a medical receptionist. But the CDC did some investigating and determined that she was actually present at every incident that resulted in death. And so there was a total of 
five patients murdered by her by her injecting bleach into the dialysis line while they were dialyzing. So she was arrested on five counts of capital murder and aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. The weird thing is that she had actually said multiple times to her co-workers that she didn't like some of her patients. All of the patients that she had expressed not liking either coded or died while on her shift. This was her way, I guess, to prevent caring for the patients that she didn't like. So bleach actually causes red blood cells to explode and release iron into the system. When the patients are getting dialysis, the machine that they're hooked up to actually filters the kidneys. When kidney function gets down to below 15% is usually when it's needed, and it cleans the blood. A lot of patients may go three times a week to a dialysis clinic and get hooked up to the machine that actually cleans the blood and filters the kidneys because the kidneys aren't working correctly. So by injecting this bleach into the dialysis line, she actually killed five people. And so she was sentenced to five concurrent life sentences without parole and a 20-year sentence for aggravated assault. She, of course, appealed. That was denied. And she is currently serving five concurrent life sentences at the Mountain View Unit in Gatesville, Texas. Now, this incident occurred in Lufkin. Again, super difficult for me to believe that a nurse who'd actually gone through training and gone to the trouble to get their license would actually go as far as trying to kill a patient just so they wouldn't have to care for them anymore or because they didn't like them. It'd be real easy for you to say, hey, I don't care for this patient. Can you do their dialysis and I'll do someone else's? Just trade patients. I mean, I've had even patients ask me before if I could be their nurse instead of the nurse that they had. And Sometimes there are personality conflicts, but you can't just like kill your patients because you don't care for them. There was another nurse by the name of William Davis. This guy was also here in Texas. He was in Tyler, so this is around East Texas, and he worked at Christus Mother Francis Hospital in Tyler. He injected air into recovering heart surgery patients. So he injected at least seven patients at the hospital, possibly 11 victims, but six of them actually died between 2017 and 2018. So he pled not guilty. He was arrested and convicted of capital murder. He was seen on security cameras in patients' rooms. And then suddenly after he had been with them, they suffered complications. So going back, looking at the security cameras, they were actually able to determine that he was with these patients alone just before their complications started. A little bit of a coincidence that that happened, but the police also found a recording where he had called his wife from jail and said that he wanted to lengthen the patient's stay in the ICU so he could actually get overtime. 
Now, the nurses at that facility said that that wasn't true because they were very short-staffed, and he very well could have gotten overtime even without injecting these patients with air, causing them to have to stay longer in the ICU after heart surgery. But to me, this is absolutely ridiculous. So they had found, you know, air embolus in all these patients. He had injected it into their IVs to try and say, I did this because I knew that they would become ill or have complications and need to actually stay in the ICU longer and I could get overtime caring for them? No, I don't think so. So this guy's behind bars as well. We'll hopefully not see the light of day. Now, I know that I worked a case several years ago, and this was back in 2017, and I was actively working as a sexual assault nurse examiner. We'd had a woman who was around my age. She was in her lower 50s. She had actually had hip replacement, and she was in the hospital. This has happened at Methodist Southlake, which is a hospital not far from us in Tarrant County, but she was undergoing this hip replacement surgery, and this nurse actually sexually assaulted her after her surgery. So she was in her bed in her room, was unable to get up because of her surgery. While lying there, he actually stole Benadryl out of the medication machine. It was seen on camera that he pulled it out by the handful and put it in his pocket. And he went into her room and actually told her that she was going to take a nap, close the mini blinds, and injected Benadryl into her IV line before she knew what was happening. So she passes out, becomes super dizzy, lightheaded, sleepy, falls asleep and wakes up and is being assaulted. When asking him what he was doing, this was digital penetration, he stated that he was checking her catheter. Well, we all know that Foley catheters are tubes that go into your bladder, and there's a bag that hangs on the side of the bed. It's working if there's urine in the bag. We usually measured it, so we would always know if someone's having adequate urine output after surgery. So you don't actually have to look at the urethra and get anywhere near the vaginal area to know for sure if the catheter is working. But this is what he told her he was doing when she woke up and caught him. He medicates her again and she wakes up to him doing the same thing. Now, of course, he had gloves on. So you would think that finding evidence would be next to impossible, which it is. I mean, there's not going to be any touch DNA or anything like that. Typically, it would be a he said, she said case. But of course, they had him on video stealing the Benadryl out of the machine. And just the fact that he told her that she was going to take a nap and then close the blinds and then she became sleepy kind of indicates that he's not doing something he should be doing or he's not being the nurse that he should be. She reports to the police and then comes to me for a sexual assault exam. And this is, I believe, the day after discharge from the hospital. Of course, normally in the state of Texas, after 120 hours, there's not any evidence that can be found. And so we typically wouldn't even do evidence collection. But in her case, it had been 
less than 120 hours. And even though we knew that there may not be any physical evidence on the rape kit when we did the swabs because he most likely had gloves on. When I was doing her exam, I told the doctor, I said, let's do diphenhydramine level because number one, it wasn't something that the doctor ordered for her at the hospital. It wasn't something that she took after she got discharged. So it shouldn't be in her system. But because we have him on video stealing it, if it's in her system, it's pretty safe to say that that was what he gave her that made her groggy. So she did have diphenhydramine in her system. He was found guilty of two counts of sexual assault and was sentenced to nine years in prison and 10 years probation. Six months prior, this nurse named Kevin reportedly touched a patient's breast in the emergency room and then gave her a med that left her feeling sleepy and dizzy. And it was never really reported, but he had had previous sexual misconduct complaints at multiple hospitals or at another hospital prior to this particular event. Now, this doesn't happen often, but you do find that there are those crazy people out there who abuse their power and use their profession in ways that should not be used. So as a nurse, I mean, our mission is always to provide competent, compassionate care to every patient and every family member. And part of that means being educated, being honest, acting professionally for your entire career. A lot of these people were never in trouble before they committed these crimes, but I don't know, something clicked. That's what we were talking about earlier. I guess something just clicks. They get this crazy idea that, hey, you know, if I injure this patient, they're going to have to stay here longer and I can get some overtime. Or if I do something to this patient that causes them to code, I'm going to look like the good guy when I start CPR and we can actually bring them back. I'm going to look like a hero. So we're always loving to all people of all ethnicities and all backgrounds. And part of our job is to be non-judgmental, to remain unbiased and to take care of everybody. So I just find it interesting that there are people that abuse their power in all professions. But I find it particularly interesting in my profession just because I could never, ever, ever imagine doing that. Like I said, staying late and caring for patients and going above and beyond and making sure that they eat dinner before me, giving them their meds and maybe not even going to the bathroom during a 12-hour shift and not eating lunch, just going home knowing that I cared for my patients to the best of my ability was what helped me sleep at night. And again, it's not just nurses and doctors, it's every profession. But I thought that it would be interesting to focus on medical homicides and serial killers that are nurses and doctors because there are many of them. And so these particular cases all happened in Texas. Thank goodness the last one, the sexual assault case, didn't result in death. 
although it does cause a lot of mental anguish and a lot of issues with recovery following those types of assaults as well. Thank goodness this is not true of all nurses. And in general, we are all very compassionate and patient-centered, and we are continuously being educated so that we can provide the best patient care. But again, those things that I went over at the beginning, always just be concerned when someone wants to work night shift because they don't like people and don't want to be around people or someone just goes from hospital to hospital or pretends to know when one of their patients may die or insists that you not help them take care of their patients. Those are all kinds of fishy. A lot of the coworkers that worked with these nurses in these cases that I've covered today had no idea, absolutely no idea. I know even the nurse that sexually assaulted the patient, many, many nurses who I knew had worked with him in the past and were appalled that he would be accused of such a thing. These people hide it well, as do all serial killers and murderers. So we are going to focus on medical professionals who have murdered and medical professionals who are serial killers. And I thought that'd be super interesting to cover for the month of November. I'm also interested to see if any of my listeners know of any incidents like this that have happened in your hometown, or if you have a friend or family member who has been in trouble for killing patients or have gotten in trouble for anything like that. I would love to talk to you and possibly add that to my list of stories. Feel free to contact me if you know anyone who has committed a crime like this and would like for me to look into the story more, or if you know someone who would like to be interviewed who has been involved in an incident that's very similar. Thank you so much for joining me today on Pushing Up Lilies. If you like this podcast and would like to share with others, please do me a quick favor and leave a review on Apple Podcast. This helps to make the podcast more visible to the public. Thanks again for spending your time with me and be sure to visit me at pushinguplilies.com for merchandise and past episodes.